We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the podcast, the Bearcast of California Golden Blogs. I stuttered there for a second. I don't know why I did. It's like me on the mic, Hask and Sonny. <laughs> I get nervous every time. I'm getting better. I, you are getting better. And I think it's, you're listening to the podcast, right? You're listening, that's, that's what's helping. That's what's helping that is in what's the press helping. conference. <laughs> yeah. That's giving me the confidence yeah. to ask Davis Webb, what was the play call? <laughs> I can unequivocally say... Because I went to the basketball game this past Thursday, and we'll talk about it later. But I can unequivocally say, like, I, I found it for sure today. I am more comfortable in a basketball post-game conference, and I know exactly what I want to ask. Like, throughout the game, I can get my questions out easy versus football. Like That's great. I don't, like, yeah, I think I just, I figured it out. I was like, okay, yeah, basketball is definitely easier to talk about, at least for me, post-game conference-wise. Like, questions and like looking at the stat sheet and like figuring out questions I want to ask about him. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll swap. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not know anything yeah. to ask. You're like, um, what was that play? <laughs> Who was that guy that shot that ball? That was nice. <laughs> Swish. You made five threes. Is that good? <laughs> were you hoping to make five threes or were you hoping to miss a couple just to mix it up a little bit? Um, all right. So let's get started with our program. Let's start at the top, our top three of the week. Um, mine's, an ex- mine's an exciting one. It is an exciting one. I don't know how we should do this. Should we should we stick with the, the one at a time, or should we just go three on one side and then hit the other side? Yeah, three. We'll, we'll hit the three and then hit the other side? Yeah, All right. I like that. So right. my three top of the line mm-hmm. that I want to talk about this week, I want to talk about a new defensive coordinator for the Bears. Um, not saying fire someone but i'm saying definitely not renew i'm way far gone on that train <laughs> uh, i want to talk over You're at, i think you might be leading that you might be the conductor of that train like you might be putting the hot coals into the engine <laughs> no because i want to be allowed back in the press room <laughs> i gotta be I gotta keep it cool i don't want to be the captain i just want to be the guy that was like yeah yeah you know right in the back um and then the other i think we're going to cover a little bit later with ross bowers and 
Just just what in the world is going on with know. why we're not playing backups yeah. at the quarterback position? Yeah. The so it's not necessarily Ross Bowers, but it's just the backup QBs, quote-unquote, in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, we're just, and then I want to talk about Lamar Jackson and just right. what he's doing at Louisville. It's amazing. So let's start at the top. New defensive coordinator. Give me your targets. Dick LeBeau, uh, Rex Ryan, uh, Chuck Pagano. <laughs> so while, while Rob is living in fantasy land, <laughs> the Bears will be, unfortunately, very under... You'll, you're going to be very underwhelmed. So this is... Okay, I, I did think about this. We ha- We were discussing this after the game yesterday. So we're recording on Sunday after the Oregon game. And, you know, as we were walking down from the stadium, we did talk about this for a little bit. And after we finished our conversation about, you know, we'll talk about this tomorrow, I kind of thought in my head, I, I just... Did like some scenarios in my head, just thinking off the top of my head, who are some DCs that would possibly work, right? And I looked at the coaching carousel last night for a little bit and just looked at some of the big-name Power, uh, power 5 conference programs <clears throat> that have decently good defenses and have recruited decently well, but are not up to par. So the coaches are on hot seats. The biggest name for me that stands out is, some people might hate me for saying this, Charlie Strong. I look at that Texas team, and I, I honestly, I, I don't know any insider information. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the season. You know, the AD could easily just look at it and go, okay, it was just a, it was just a little asterisk of a year. We'll reboot. We'll go again next year. Especially with, with now their quarterback situation is all handled, right? You have Shane Butchel as the quarterback of that team for the next three years. So... Maybe they'll just let it go. But if they don't, and they do fire him, I, I don't see why not. I don't know if we have enough like money to offer him in terms of a salary. Um, but I don't see why he wouldn't... No, I mean, I'm just thinking if I was in Charlie Strong's shoes and a Power 5 team has a spot open at defensive coordinator, and I'm, that, I'm, I'm a pretty good defensive guy, I take that chance to rebuild my basically reputation as a coach. Up. Wait, okay, all right. So yeah, I, but agree, that's just to, I agree to some degree, to to some degree yeah. with you on that one. But I think uh, if I'm Charlie Strong, yeah, I'm a head coach. All right, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, look, totally look at understandable Tedford too, right? Because yeah. um, you know, for Tedford to move to the NFL, he still went up to take that. Right, he moved from head coach to offensive coordinator with the Bucks, and then you know, health issues. But I, to me, that's the thing is like, if I'm Charlie strong, I'm either head coach at the college level or maybe a coordinator at the next level. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I see him stepping down into that role, let alone into a role where he's coaching underneath someone or with someone that he probably felt like he, you know, can out coach. Yeah. I have a hard time believing he doesn't feel like he at least should have gone one-on-one against Cal. Yeah. So I would love that. But I just don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's in not in the realm of probability. It's just if he were to get fired, I think I don't I don't see why we didn't at least reach out. Try it. Yeah, I think um, Ed Orgeron. He's not. You know, no way if LSU scoring zero points, he's going to get that. So they're going to go get someone big, and he might not be able to stick around. Oh, that so would be a good hire. Talk about like a recruit, like recruiting, like kind of the opposite of what we have now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's 
That you know what? Know how good of a coordinator he is, as, but if he can recruit the crap out of it realistically, how much worse can we get? No, yeah, we can only go up. Yeah. <laughs> anyone, anyone we hire can do better. We were talking about, I mean, a lot of the, the writers that we have really, well, <clears throat> uh, thought out and pointed out, <coughs> just how historically bad this defense is. I mean, this defense isn't, like, just bad. A bad defense? We probably have another win under our belt. Just a bad one. 2013. And, yeah, this is this is going to 2013 bad. <laughs> and that defense was, at the time, was what I thought the worst defense I had ever seen in my life was. It doesn't feel like this defense is that because of the playmakers that we have. We know we got Allensworth. We know we got Looney. We know we got these young guys, Weaver, Saffle on the D-line. That Rambo well. and all those back yeah. guys on the back end. Rambo. Even, you know, got to give... Uh, Malik Psalms. Yeah, I'm happy he's playing, yeah. finally. Yeah. Um, no, uh, wow, I'll come back to this. But I think ultimately I, I think that we have the talent, talent level that we didn't necessarily have then. We were just playing true freshmen. And they ended up getting older and becoming good, like... Cam Walker. And anyways, um, I'm deviating away from the point. Ed Orgeron is someone I would uh, like to think of, the uh, D coordinator for the Bears. Mm. Um, if John Fox gets axed, who was the D coordinator for... Yeah, I wouldn't mind some NFL experienced coach. It would be nice to get some sort of that momentum. I just worry, I don't know on the recruiting side if they understand that or if they're willingly ready. Well, like Coach Lovett, who's the safeties coach, Coached in the NFL, he coached safeties in the NFL. Now he's coaching safeties for us. So, but I thought Burns is the one that recruits. Love it does recruiting too. Oh. So Love it recruits the safeties, and Burns recruits the DB or the cornerbacks. Gotcha. But I believe I believe it's kind of just interchangeable. Like you know, wherever they send them, that's how they recruit. But I have heard good things about how Love it recruits. So, yeah, there is that. I mean, we'll go into this deeper because we have a couple of fan questions about. Uh, the defensive coordinator part, so we'll we'll delve into that deeper later on. But uh, so on to your second point. No, skipping that one. Let's go, to Lamar Jackson. All right, Lamar Jackson's amazing. The <laughs> Niners need to suck for one more year and be able to get him. If if you guys aren't watching now, I mean, he's to me one of the better quarterbacks I've seen play in college, and every ball seems to be on the money with him, which is the impressive part about it. A lot of times you can see a quarterback do really well, and you're like, well, they throw the ball all over the place. He seems to have the ball on the money a lot. Like, that throw that he made against uh, Virginia? Oh, yeah. That was ridiculous. And, you you know, you watch someone like Colin Kaepernick, like I have to suffer through every single Sunday. And, you know, that accuracy can go a long way. I mean, having having a touch on a ball, right, not just throwing 99 mile fastballs at your wide receivers and actually arcing it helps. Yeah, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I, it's, he's run away with the Heisman. Yeah. He's so far gone. The only person, I think Browning is a good candidate. Yeah. At six, this point, right? Yeah. He had six touchdowns against us, and I'm still like, nope, Lamar Jackson, no problem. But, yeah, he's, he's incredible. So, and just enjoy the ride, because you don't get to see somebody like that play, and we get another year of him after this year. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> just simply, simply amazing. Um, like, there's no other way to put it. I, the, we seeing, we'll talk about the Washington game in a little bit. But seeing that Washington team in person, no matter how aggravating the loss was, and by the way, it wasn't aggravating. It was kind of expected. 
kind of therapeutic in a way. <laughs> that's what that's what USC was. That's what that USC game was to me. It's like this team is who we, the Bears were who we thought they were. Yeah, it was it was it was a really weird. Yeah, but I think you and I both can attest to just watching this Utah team or this this Washington team and saying, yeah, they're legit contenders. Like they're they're good. They're really good. You know what's interesting is thinking about how Texas came in ranked. It's interesting when you play a team that's ranked that highly. Early in the season? Early in the season. Versus and then someone you're going to play later. Yeah. Because even Washington made Arizona look, like, you know, looked competent. So to have them play us at that point in time when they're, you know, in the college football playoff and – that's where it's like you're seeing a really well-oiled machine at that point versus Texas, who was like, oh, yeah, we were unranked. We beat Notre Dame. Now we're 11. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> so it felt like that, you know, the number 11 team in the country coming into Cal right now, I mean, especially because we're not the same team that we were when we played Texas either. But still, it's hard to believe that even our team at full health would have had much of a better output than the one we had tonight. I think we would have had a tighter first half. Or, sorry, last night. I think we would have had a tighter first half, and then the second half probably would have gone similar direction. Maybe they don't drop 66, but they go up by 21, and they win something like that. Um, yeah, and I guess, yeah, we'll go that into a little bit. But for my three points of this week um, are, first of all, the Texas Tech Texas game. That's my number one point. That game was like a crap show (laughs) like uh, i saw someone tweet out something about like texas and one yard line fumbles (laughs) not not a match made in heaven uh i don't know if people are who are listening got to watch it but there was a point in the first i think it was the first half i believe texas ran the ball um and a whole pile just happens at the goal line and then all of a sudden a texas tech guy it, it felt like a rugby like a scrum you know what a scrum is in rugby yeah if I scrum, all of a sudden the Texas Tech guy shoots out of the back of the pile from into the end zone and then curls out and he has the ball in his hand. <laughs> he just starts running in the opposite direction all the way down. And it was, it was a touchdown. It, he had fumbled the ball when right when he right before it got into the pile and they took it and they just ran. And so the funnier part is everyone who's in that pile still thinks the running back has the ball, right? So that's why they're, they're still pushing. And the, even the defense, they're pushing back. To make sure they don't get into it. It was just one guy. Yeah, yeah, and no one touched him. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but yeah, uh, that game was just yeah for me. That was like the like the circus game of the week to see that happen. It was a fun game, mm-hmm. and you know, I know, I know you were uh, taken aback when you heard this that Baker Mayfield, Davis Webb, and Patrick Mahomes were at Texas Tech. I mean, that's a hell of a trio. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't get much better than that. No, one of them was a Dark Horse Heisman candidate last year. One of them is arguably, like, about to set records at Cal for single-season things. And one of one of them already set an NCAA record, I believe. Because he had 800 yards by himself, like, two weeks ago. Do you, think, weeks ago. do you think Davis Webb wishes he went to Colorado and played on a team that was you know, had a chance at winning the title or is you think he's happy being at Cal where he's just like clearly the main guy and doesn't have to deal with, you know, maybe not playing as much or there being a competition. I think, I think for him as a grad transfer, 
it's I don't know how you weigh it, but you you basically had to weigh the two things, right? How how badly did you want to win, and how badly did you want to propel yourself for the NFL? And of course, before the season, I think most people would have said, if you want both, you just go to Cal. Like Colorado's going to suck. Uh, but if you're looking at it, you know, of course, hindsight twenty twenty. If you're looking at it now, yeah, if you wanted to win, you go to Colorado. If you just wanted to showcase your talent, you you go to Cal because you're slinging it, what, like 50 times a game. The volume. Yeah, just the sheer volume and the numbers that you're going to put up and just the amount of tape that people are going to have, like scouts are going to have to look at you throw is so much higher, right? Then, then the opposite side, let's say he went to Colorado and he only threw, what, like 25 times a game. Then they're going to say, even if he completes 17 out of 25 passes and, you know, goes, you know, two or three touchdowns, they're going to say, okay, some small sample size. Versus now, if he goes 35 of 50 with four touchdowns, okay, yeah, he's he's the, got it. The flip approach to that, though, is you become then, you know, be, be, I think it was Bronco Mendenhall that called out, was it? Yeah, Bronco Mendenhall called out Jared Goff as being a system quarterback. Yeah. And then... Um, if it wasn't Bronco Mendenhall, I, I swear it was the head coach of BYU. I think I could so. be wrong. Maybe it was their D coordinator, but someone on BYU said that, and then we lost. And <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> um, but then you have Davis Webb come in high volume. If we have a third, let's just throw out the theoretical that people have been talking about. Max Brown, um, say Max Brown comes in, starts putting up those ridiculously high numbers. Then all of a sudden you become labeled as a system. And that isn't necessarily that beneficial to your NFL stock. No. Jared Goff isn't playing. Case Keenum is not a good example of an NFL quarterback that should be hard to overcome. No, but weirdly he's performing, like, decent Oh, I'm not mad. Kenny Britt. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kenny (laughs) Britt. (laughs) But, yeah, there is a flip side of that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely – that was the whole thing with Oregon, too, for a little bit, right, is – Chip Kelly system and of course Bellotti system and then Chip Kelly system and then a Helfrick system is one of those things where it was can you put in any type of athlete at any type of position and would it still work would would the offense as a as a whole still just hum along you know and clearly it's broken down now you know that that gap that they had after Mariota has not helped. But, I mean, if you look at the long-term effect of it, like, yeah, their their quarterbacks, other than Mariota, have not panned out at all. Um, you look at, uh, who before, well, we were in college. Uh, the well, I think Vernon Adams was, was clearly good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the only, the only like, like, I'm just looking at it from a scout's perspective when we're talking about the whole system oh, yeah. thing, is, like, Mariota's the only Oregon quarterback that has decently panned out. Who's Darren? It was Darren someone, right? The that one guy that left early to yeah. go to the NFL and then yeah. didn't get drafted, and never played. Yeah, and then there was the one that got that was the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, like third quarterback for a while. Brooks? No, no. Uh, uh, he was the quarterback when we were in college. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I almost said Aaron Brooks. It's not Aaron no, Brooks. That is a basketball player. Dennis. Dennis Dixon. Yeah, there you go. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> Dennis Dixon is is case in point too. Um, so. I don't know. It, it there, there has to be a point where if we start producing enough NFL talent at quarterback, like it, let's say Jared does get does start. I mean, that's the rumor now is that they're more, they're ready to start him now, is what's been going around in the NFL rumors. Um, so, 
if that happens and then he performs up to par, and then let's say Davis does get drafted next year and is a starting quarterback somewhere, like, you know, maybe he fizzles out or maybe any of these guys fizzle out, but at least in the short term, like, let's say they do perform well for whatever team they get drafted at. And then we got a third guy, and he does the same as well. Can you really say that's a system quarterback, or are we, we're just good at developing quarterbacks at right. that point? Right, Then so, you become the latter. Exactly. So it's just we haven't seen the full effect of this yet. And I, the people that say a oh, system quarterback, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, we throw the ball around. Our, our offense is based around the pass game, and our, our pass numbers are going to be – exploded like it's <laughs> way bloated compared to any other like just like an Alabama offense right so yeah it's fine in my opinion um yeah uh that's my first point the second point I had nothing I had no uh, I had no other like college football point I wanted to talk about because we're going to talk about all the other stuff when we get to the other things but the last point of course for me was my Lakers <laughs> oh, I forgot that you intended to bring this up. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all your list, all the listeners that are just listening just because they want to listen to Cal Sports. But just because Andy is a Warriors fan, I am a lifelong Laker. It was. I saw a couple. I met a couple of people today uh, at my church, and I talked to them, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, yeah, we'll give you guys this one." And I was, and then I was like, "Yeah, you have to." I mean. Steph Curry couldn't make an open three. Nobody was shooting well except for Kevin Durant and Clay. What is wrong with Clay this year? I have no idea what is wrong with that man. I don't know, but I, if I was at the draft, I would have had him on my fantasy <laughs> team. I think I think Clay's. I think just, they're just fun. gonna. It's just gonna take a little bit for them to figure it out. Yeah. Who? Uh, I think it is too. Who's this? Thing? I think my dad told me this. Or no, uh, uh, Diana's dad did. So my other dad. Um, he said that, you know, it used to be kind of like Steph Clay as your one two scoring options. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, it's pretty much KD, then Steph, then Clay. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be a whole new dynamic. And instead of shooting, t- like making 10 out of 20 shots, he's going to be shooting 10 and being expected to make six or seven is what's being expected. Yep. And that is the conundrum that, you know, the Miami Heat faced. With Ray Allen and they still got to the finals. And LeBron, exactly. I think if there's, they're just gonna take some time to figure it out, and and they'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. But I, congrats, yes, congrats yes. on your win. Yes, that's good. It. We need something to rejuvenate the fan base, and we just. I was watching the Laker game today too against Phoenix, and we we squeaked that one out too. So we're looking bright. I dare say the future is bright. Huh? I know you already made your bold pick, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. My bold pick is are the Lakers are making the playoffs this year. So in the West, in the West, yeah. That's yep. Rob with your bold take of the night, sponsored yep. by yeah, everyone, Taco Bell. By the way, everyone thinks the Pelicans <laughs> were going to make the playoffs, right? As the eighth seed because of how how good Anthony Davis is. They have not won yet this season, so and they thought the Timberwolves might be really good too. They're one in five. I still think the Timberwolves are going to be really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have so much talent. <laughs> yeah, but I just needed to say that. I just needed to talk about my Lakers for a split second. That's um, fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, for now. Well deserved. For now. Pat myself on the back for that one. Thank you, Julius Randle, to Angel Arsenal, all those boys. All right, anyways, uh, we'll move on to Cal versus Washington. Uh, let's talk about the experience for a little bit, what it was leading up to game time. I know you came a little later 
What? Um, I, was, I was early. That is true. You were early, but I was there earlier. You were I there was, I was, for the bobblehead. I was waiting in line for the bobblehead. I got. I was at the, our tailgate at around three thirty. I help, actually helped set up the tailgate, which is weird. I've never actually been in our tailgate before it was actually set up. Um, so they were taking stuff out of the vans and things like that. Uh, but we did all that. We ate, and then we went up to the stadium, uh, being a couple of friends. Around five, we walked up around five. Um, then we got there and we lined up at gate five, which is right next to the media entrance. Mm. And that line went all the way up to gate two. Or is that gate two? Uh, no, gate, I I think it is gate two at, at the top of Warring, um, like below the student section, in, below the student entrance. Like Prospect. Yeah, oh, Prospect, yeah. So it went all the way up to there. Um, but, you know, 10,000 bobbleheads, and I thought maybe there might be that many people, but there wasn't. I heard some gates did actually run out, but there were a lot of gates that still had extras. So, you know, they basically told you to, like, go to this gate, go to this gate. And I know people that ended up with, like, two two or three. What? Yeah. Oh, I should have gone. Yeah. Immediately, immediately after the game had started, these bobbleheads started to go up on eBay. Going for $150. Shaking my head at that. Um, I'm going to have to be someone that purchases one of those. Not for myself, for my mom. <laughs> So I'm going to be that sucker that decided not to go and get one. Oh, well. Yeah. But yeah, that was great. Yeah. You know, the whole March on hype before the game. I think it had a whole, like, I like to believe in this nice altruistic world. <laughs> it had a nice little, uh, you know, encompassing effect on the team and bringing out the energy and having him ride out with his mom and then E40, or E40 hopping into the cart. And I just thought that was a total blast and you know that ended up being the highlight of the night by the way can we talk about that like cart ride for a split second i know us in the press box we were very confused because there were conflicting reports uh before the video on cal bears went up uh, later that night of like they put a gopro on the cart so you showed exactly what happened but there were conflicting reports throughout the entire pregame like after that car thing had happened that one half the people were saying it was marshawn's mom and then half the people were saying it was E40. So it was one of those situations where, it was, is, it, is the dress blue or is it white? Like, it, it was one of those situations. Uh, but finally, the mystery was solved. It was both. It was both. Marshawn comes out with his bomb, drives around in circles, almost knocks down the drum major, uh, and then stops at the 50-yard line. She hops off, then E40 hops on, and then they go on another spin. So that's what, that's what it was. It was so, awesome. Yeah, it was It was amazing. There was a couple Warriors players there. Damian Jones, James Michael McAdoo. What was the Ted Miller was there? Ted Miller, Uncle Ted was there. Jeff Tedford. Yeah, can you tell your little Tedford run-in story? Yeah, so I had some friends that uh, I was holding their tickets for, and they came late. So, uh, but it was still before the game started, and so I was taking the the press elevator down, and as I'm getting, oh no, this was as I'm getting onto the elevator. As I'm getting onto the elevator, uh, Jeff Tedford is coming. Out of the elevator. And for those who don't know, Jeff Tedford is a special offensive consultant uh, to the Huskies. So he was basically in the the Huskies, the away coaches box uh, with the team. And so I literally ran into him. Like I literally just... In- <laughs> I looked up and it's Coach Tedford. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Coach Tedford. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. And he just walked along his way. Uh, 
that was my first interaction with Coach Tedford ever. Actually, I took a picture with him once my freshman year, our freshman year. Uh, but the only I don't think I have that picture saved. The only picture I have saved is with Deshaun Jackson from the <laughs> Well deserved. Reasonable. Um, yeah, I think the game day experience, like just, just to anyone that wasn't there, student section looked mighty thin early on. Uh, and then it filled out. And then it filled out almost to the top row. And then only Rally Combos left. And then by the <laughs> end of the third, there was maybe three rows of people left and a bunch of Washington fans. And then, you know, a couple, you know, hats off to anyone that stuck that out. You know, we had to be there for obvious reasons, but to anyone that's there and still willing to support the team, uh, maybe it's Ross Bauer's family who was upset. Yeah. That Sam, <laughs> Sam Fielder was there. Some of our writers, Vlad was there. They stayed until the very end. Yeah, it's awesome to see that. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good to see that despite the destruction and mayhem that happened on the field, people still stayed to support their team. I saw a guy wearing a Cal shirt today at BevMo. I went up and said, Go Bears. And he turned to Diane and I go, Diane is my fiance for anyone who doesn't know. And I was like, You know, a real Cal fan is the one that wears his shirt the day after after a loss, 66 to 27. That's the person that gets the Go Bears in my book, Mm -hmm. especially in the Bay Area when you see Cal stuff all the time the special people that I say Go Bears to on those days. Man, that's a bold move. We'll see if it pays off, Cotton. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I... Other than that, I mean, I went down to the student section at halftime. And when I was... When I was coming back up to the press box, there were lines of people leaving the stadium. Like... At halftime? At halftime. Just down 15? Yeah. Uh, you know, remember I, how I went down because I wanted to go say hi to a few people, uh, friends of mine throughout college that I hadn't seen in years because they lived down in Southern California. And um, after I said hello and I was walking back up the stadium, you know, the concourse level that's from the Golden Plaza and then has that like leads into the stadium and has all the like the con- uh, what's it, the concession stands and all that. People were just lines of people just coming out of the stadium and then just on the Golden Plaza and just heading down the stairs like next to the Simpson Center and just out the door. Hmm. At halftime. And we were only down 15. It maybe was, it maybe was a good first half. It was a great. It was an enjoyable first half. Yeah. Well. So I guess we should just get right into it, right? Is, yeah. We'll yeah, because just... if we want to talk about why they were leaving. But... <laughs> I don't, I don't have a problem, like, blaming them for leaving, I guess, at half. I mean, it seems like it was a little premature. I didn't notice it, at least from afar. You didn't. Yeah, I didn't. And then, but then as soon as you, I mean, you got that one, that touchdown to start, and at that point, okay. It felt, it did felt like it was over. For me, as soon as that first touchdown hit after, when they got the ball on their first drive coming out of halftime and they scored with keys. Yeah. With keys. That's when I knew. All right, it's this, let's wrap it up. Yeah, it wasn't our night. Yeah, let's wrap it up. We all knew. We that Co- that's the moment we coaches knew. Didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's get yeah. Let's get after because we got to talk about that. Yeah, let's get into it. So Cal Washington number f- number five Washington at the time. They are now number four, by the way. So good for them. They should have been. They are. Yeah, they should have easily been number four to begin with. A and M got bumped down. Hopefully. So the, okay, yeah. I'll, so after I talk about the 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 base stats, I'm gonna I I want to mention one thing. All right, so the uh, so the game ended sixty six to twenty seven. Um, Washington wins. Uh, Washington had thirty one first downs. Cal had eighteen. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. They had 13 passing first downs and uh, 13 rushing. We had six rushing and 10 passing. I mean, Washington was scoring with ease on big plays. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why that discrepancy isn't that big. Yeah, it's not. It's really not. But when you're throwing 60-yard touchdowns, John Ross. With <laughs> and juking eight guys. <laughs> other team's DBs are not covering guys and not tackling guys tends to be... A pretty bad formula to win football games. Yeah. Let's just go through some of the, the big stats from our side. California Muhammad, eight carries for 34 yards. Trey Watson, 10 carries for 29 yards. That's an average of 4.3 for California and 2.9 for Trey. Both of them did not score a touchdown at all. Uh, and so on top of that, Davis Webb, 23 completions on 47 attempts, three interceptions, 262 yards, and one touchdown. And that one touchdown went to, of course, our Chad Hansen. Five catches, 70 yards, one touchdown. That was great to see. On 12 targets. That might be my moment of the game. Mm, that was a very good touchdown catch. That's awesome. And on the flip side, let's take a look at Washington. Jake Browning, 19 completions on 28 attempts, six touchdowns, not a single interception, 378 yards. What Don- is this rating? I believe it was in the 200s. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was close to 300. <laughs> I think it might have been. Uh, and then, of course, receiving for uh, Washington, Dante Pettis, eight receptions, 104 yards, three touchdowns. John Ross, six receptions, 208 yards, and three touchdowns. Whew. And, of course, for Washington's rushing, Miles Gaskin, 16 carries, 76 yards, and one touchdown. Lavon Coleman, uh, this was garbage time yards, but he had seven carries for 108 yards and one touchdown. So... Yeah. Um. So they had over 700 yards total offense? Yeah. Uh, let me just... Uh, net rushing, 287. Net passing, 417. So total offensive yards, 704. We had 362. I'm going to throw in a couple fun stats. All right. Washington had given up seven points that was in the really- first quarter uh, all year, and Cal put up 13. So major positive takeaway there. Jake Browning, I believe in the second quarter, uh, his fourth touchdown pass, uh, third touchdown pass, third touchdown. No. was the one that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. set the single-season record for a Husky quarterback. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. Um, and I had one more stat, but it disappeared. All right. So here's the thing I wanted to talk about before we get into delve into the other things is had Washington – been ranked number four going into RU. Do you think there might have been a slight more chance of a trap game? No. Not at all? No. Okay. I just wanted, because I, I saw a tweet about this and I said, uh, and it was, and I was just going through old tweets uh, from like last, from earlier in the week and I found it and I can't remember who it was, but basically it was saying, thanks and thanks, uh, co- uh, football committee. Like, give Washington another reason to pummel down on us come Saturday. Yeah, I, I wrote about it in, actually in my defensive preview. Yeah. It was like, what is the last thing that Cal needed? It's more was, fire to their, or more fuel to their fire. Yeah, but do I think that creates an any less prepared team that no. comes in? No. no. I think, sure, maybe they pay a little bit more attention to how many points they try and score. Which and, they did. Yeah, and they totally did. Uh for a good reason, and Tedford knows that better than anyone as to why that matters. So, no, I don't 
I don't think it made a lick of difference in what the game, uh, on the game. But there's a couple other things that I think would have made a little bit of a difference in the game. Yeah. Uh, certainly if we had had a healthy secondary, I think you maybe look at that first half and say, well, maybe Cal keeps it within eight rather than it being at 15. Um, if we got a safety call instead of the ball being down at the one, that was big. That was big. We still ended up stopping them there and they punted. And then I think we ended up scoring, scoring the yeah. next drive. But, um, but if we had started with that, that puts immense pressure on them, in my opinion is they started off with an offensive fault, basically, right? And then they we and then if we had scored on that punt off, I guess, is that what you call it from a safety, after safety? A punt off, I guess? Um, and if we had scored on that, 9-0 to start the first quarter. No, they were up, they were up seven. They had did already they, scored uh, on... Did they already score? Yeah, they already scored on John Ross's first touchdown. So they went up 7-3, then it would have been 7-5. Then it would have been... If Can you pass you, me the play-by-play? Let me take sir. I am just going to take a look. Just yeah, to be sure. Just in case I'm misremembering. Yes. Yeah. I was heads down a lot, but I'm pretty sure that they had already had their touchdown at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know to what degree they would have felt the pressure on it because of how easy it was for them all night. Um, Saffle, I, I want to give a, a lot of credit to the way that Saffle played, and he had two really big plays. I think he had a pass deflection... And then he ended up also, uh, you know, being the one that forced Browning out into that uh, intentional grounding, and that was. By the way, yes, you safety. are correct. It was seven three, um, and that's when the the safety, quote unquote, safety happened. Yeah. So I mean, I think the biggest thing with that is, yeah, it, it, you want to have a play like if the defense can get some points. Sure. I think our defense they came out well. I, the, I didn't have. You're gonna have the stuff over the top. There's just no depth there. We've been decimated by injuries. That's fine. I, it's just one of those things where we're going to see them go over the top, but then it got a little repetitive. You didn't. I didn't think they would be able to do it at, with the consistency in which they did. And credit to them. That trick play was awesome, and Tedford definitely had a say in um, helping them create that, throw that touchdown. I thought that was – I mean, seeing those, like uh, I'm not sure if you read that SB Nation article where it was – Talking about Tedford ran the same play yeah. as a consultant as he did his first his first touchdown pass yeah yeah so that was sweet seeing those back to back yeah so here's the thing for me the defensive side of the ball we'll talk about that um, in terms of the defensive statistics Ashton Davis was our number one tackler with eight total five solo and three assisted then came Jordan Kanazic who at seven tackles four solo three assisted then came. Um, Kari Vanderbilt at six with three and three, and then Cameron Walker with two and two, so four, and then Looney with four. Looney played well too. Looney did play well, but the thing that that drives me crazy from that is your D lineman is fifth in tackling. That's never a recipe for winning or controlling the line of scrimmage. Well, and yeah, and Looney's not the one that. Should be getting those tackles. Yeah. He's, he's he's the guy that's freeing up somebody else yeah. to make the play. And so, yeah, that's a really unhealthy sign. Yeah. And you have are, a lot of islanded players, almost, yeah. that are contributors. That's why we see Saffle, and that's why we see Looney, and that's why we see... Allensworth. Yeah, I mean, Allensworth when he's in. Yeah. Maybe, like, Kanazic. Maybe. 
but uh, it, it just doesn't seem like cohesively they get it. And this is still seems to be consistently tonight directing back to the, the overall theme of what we want to talk about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look at this stat going, I think most people are going to look at this and say, or who are listening, go, who the heck is Ashton Davis? I think that's what most people are going to think. By the way, Ashton Davis is a wide receiver turn DB. Every time he makes a play, I say, who the heck is Ashton Davis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where's, where's <laughs> Nigel? Like, are we just not playing him? Uh, yeah, I think we're just redshirting him this year. And at this, at this point, like... I kind of want to see him play. I do, too. I, do, I, I think at this point, it's just throw him out and see what he can do. But at the same time, you're, what, more than halfway through the season? You're going into week 11. Do you really need to burn that shirt that you haven't pl- when you haven't played him all year? No. I don't think you do. Unless it's actually at a position of need. And, like, if it was... I mean, we're burning red shirts on the D-line left and right just because we don't have enough able bodies. Like, we turned Chris Palm back into a, a defensive tackle from an O-lineman because we don't have the bodies. But on the flip side, like, our DB depth... Granted, we lost seven out of our top eight, basically. But, I mean, we still have depth there. Thank God we do. Otherwise, I think they could have thrown for, like, 800 yards. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jake Brown so ridiculous that we said thank goodness we have the depth there but then we still have the, at least the third worst defense in Cal history uh, alright so beyond the stats what were your tur- your turning points for you like where was where was the mem- momentum shift like where was the fulcrum of the game where it just tipped to Washington um, two places you, we already talked about after halftime yeah. as soon as they scored you sort of knew but then that drive where we were moving downfield and Webb tried to hit Vic Wharton, um, I, I think it was on a fade. But I don't really know what he was seeing there because he put the ball. He put it on the inside shoulder, yeah. but Vic was on the outside and Sidney Jones had the inside position on him. Right, so I didn't know if he just saw that and was like, just let him let go him and make get. a play. But then Vic Wharton is not that type of, I have not seen him make that type of move where he'd be able to like swim back and make that yeah. catch. And so if it's a fade, it's a terrible pass. If it's a or if it's a back shoulder fade, I should say it's a terrible yeah. pass. If it's a go put it, you know, if it's a go make a plate, then it's actually a pretty good ball that he just took the risk on. And I was I'm fine living with that, especially in that situation. But you know, they went in and scored immediately after and that put the game that got the game to the point of that moved the game from pretty far out of reach to this is gonna be a big blow up. So those I are mean, the two for me. The interception who who made it is Sidney Jones. And he had two interceptions and two pass breakups. So judging from like the stats after the game, yeah, we should not have thrown in that direction. Sidney Jones is there in, in the scouting. And what I've looked at, I mean, you can choose. You can pick your poison. You got King and you got Jones. Mm-hmm. You got you got to go to one of them. King's on Hanson most of the night. I mean, it's, it worked. I mean, for us, and in terms of our offense, it, it did hum along in the beginning of the game, right? You saw us go over the middle to Hudson. You saw us go over the middle to Stovall. Like, and it worked. It helped us move the chains. But it's just every once in a while we try to take a deep shot, and they read us like a book. Like, they knew exactly when we were going to take those deep shots. Except for that D-Rob play. Yeah, yeah except awesome. for that D-Rob. Yeah, um, the D-Rob and the Hanson play. over. Like, it was like a post route, basically, from like 30 yards out. So... Other than those two, like, they knew exactly when we were going to run deep routes and go when we were going to go to those deep routes. And that's, like, that, that was frustrating to watch. 
Because like our when our offense clicks and gets that first down, we're like we're we're full steam ahead until we get into the red zone. But something was just they game their defense game planned perfectly. Their defensive coordinator, whoever was calling the plays up there, like was just saw it and just went, "All right, they're going deep." Like everyone, everyone just prep, boom, and they were ready to handle it. I think so. his name is Pete Kwiatkowski. Is there is their defense coordinator? coordinator? And he. Put this in my column too. Four of his six years, he's been with Peterson for six years. Yeah. Four of his six years, his defense has been no worse than eleventh in defensive S uh, S and P. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I think he should is someone that if Sonny were to say Sayonara for whatever reason, go I'd after him. As head go coach. after him. Yeah. I'd love to have a defensive minded team here, especially with all the talent we have in the NFL, and. Kind of get a that brand of Cal football, although it'd be opposite of the vision that Sandy Barber had of what was going to get us in seats with with you know high powered offense, high powered offense. That's where it's going. I'm like, yeah, give me the D, co- <laughs> give me yeah. the D coordinator, give me the Harbaugh type. No, all right, I'm off track again. Yeah, David Shaw. <laughs> I like David Shaw. I take David Shaw any day of the week. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's I go guess. to the uh, favorite moments and nightmare moments. Yeah. Do you have yeah. Do you have a favorite moment? Yeah. Um. What was my favorite moment? I think. Well, I don't know. I don't really want to see the most popular one, but I'll just say Chad Hansen as a whole. Seeing him out there, seeing him make plays. He still did a look. He still looked a little frustrated. I don't think he's. He at looks a, hurt. Yeah, I don't think he's at a hundred yet. Looks hurt, but seeing him out there and having that threat makes our offense that much better. And he didn't get hurt. I mean, it did actually look like he might have tweaked something, but it seems as though he was good in this press conference after the game. So if we can get him healthy for Stanford, I can't wait. I think for me the favorite moment was that kickoff return that, or a punt or kickoff that we had, and then we forced the fumble and we recovered. I think it was a punt where we recovered the fumble. Um, and I believe... It doesn't say in the stats, but when we were in the box, I distinctly remember us, he, me hearing that it was Malik Morris that caused the, or forced the fumble. That was a big moment for me. I I thought, okay, yeah, maybe we can turn this around. But lo and behold, right right after that, we threw that pick to Vic Wharton. So, <laughs> shot ourselves in the foot right there. But that that forced fumble and the I guess bait, like branching off of that, the special teams coverage overall. Solid all around, in my opinion. I this season is weird where I have no qualms over the the special teams. Special teams was great. Yeah, I'm not like I maybe I I wish we had a little bit more. You know, maybe get a touchdown. Maybe I, if we had gotten at least like one or two touchdowns at the beginning of the season, it puts a little bit more of a stress. But they've already, they already know how good our our returners are, which is why they short kicked us all game long. So. I mean, that's another stat. I, I think this is a stat you might have been going after. Is Avi tweeted this stat out where Cal's average starting position the entire game average was 39. Washington was 20. And we ended up with, what, like two t- two touchdowns and like six like six six turnovers or something like that? Like it was, it was abysmal. Um, but, yeah, I, back to the point. Special teams was on point. Like we didn't give them any big – Big, like, you know, 40-yard returns. Um, Klumpf had some beautiful punts. Beto had some perfect, 
perfect short kicks where it got to that second line and we were already there. And they muffed it like twice too. So they just had to go to ground. So, yeah. I have Tom everyone asked Tom Rodal to be fired last year. I, I distinctly remember this. No one's saying that now. Everyone I don't think anyone's like extend Tom Rodal for the next five years, but no one's saying we should fire him right now anymore. Yeah. They were the one of the best pieces of the first half. The coverage. Yeah. yeah. And Wharton's return. That yeah. Really good. That was good. We didn't take advantage though. No, <laughs> we did the field not. goal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your? Uh, uh, give me a few nightmare moments. Nightmare. Davis Webb throwing three interceptions. I think that's like easily like those interceptions like did not look good at all. Like other than the Vic, the Vic one. Okay, maybe I understand. Um, but all the other ones like like you threw it like right at a linebacker. Like it it. For me, it felt like they were frustration throws where nothing was clicking, so he just decides to chuck it and like in the direction of a wide receiver and just see if he can catch it. But, of course, there are Washington defenders in the way of that and just plucked it out of the air. Because there were a bunch, too. There were a couple of tip passes that were almost intercepted as well. Um, and not, like, tipped at the line. It was, like, tipped by a linebacker, and the safety almost got there to, get, to make the interception. So... Yeah, I was definitely, those were nightmare moments. Like when you see him stay in the pocket for too long and you see him get frustrated with no open receivers and you know he's about to throw and you go, oh God, this is, he's going to, someone's going to pick this off. I don't even know if he's still that healthy. Yeah. It's no evidence to back that. No, zero evidence uh, to back that. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like, there's a couple passes that we've seen consistently now for weeks where you're just like, What? Like, what? <laughs> like, last week for me during the SC game was that back back foot throw to Stovall that was intercepted. Like, that was such an unnecessary throw. Like, we were all – it was third down and – or it was fourth – third down? Fourth down? Third down. Yeah, I believe it was third down. And all we had – he just had to throw it away so we can punt it away. But instead, what does he do? He like, basically arm punted it, I guess, but – Chucked it downfield to Stovall, who's on a go route, instead underthrows him, and I think it was, I think it was Adderay, or might have been, who's the, uh, who's the other receiver, or cornerback at USC? The really good one. Yeah, on the other side of Adderay, can't remember his name. Would have known his name last week. Yeah, we would have. Malcolm somewhere? Maybe, I can't remember. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Whatever. But yeah, it's just those throws, right? It's where it, it. irks me because he's going to throw one or two of those every game and maybe they connect and someone comes down with it but more often than not he's thrown an interception off those passes and it's ugh. the next the last three games of the season are going to I mean this we'll talk about the Washington State this game is fundamentally the problem with having this style of defense though is yeah. he can't be imperfect he has no there's no threshold for him to throw to have a turnover, a fumble, a sack, <laughs> like even a sack seems particularly devastating. Um, it, but it, it really is like a turnover, an interception or fumble, and it's like boom, I'm giving up seven. And he has to play a perfect football game for us to win. He played pretty much perfect against Texas. He played he played pretty much perfect against Oregon. You know. I, I don't think that's fair. Like, perfect is not the right word. He played pretty much perfect against Utah, too. Yeah. I mean, it's like he – and our definition of perfect needs to be explained as sort of, you know, like not 
getting turnovers, making the right throws, and I mean, he's missed, still missed a couple guys. But yeah. that, I mean, yeah. to me, like the turnover margin, there is no margin for error. Because if there is, it's seven. Yeah. And it's not like it's three. It's seven. And so he, for the offense, I think every single time, if it's a four and out or if it's a turnover, they, they must. Because if I get it and we get it, then they have to feel it that, oh, man, we went three and out. We're probably looking at being down another seven. Or we went three and out. Looks like Oregon's going to start coming back. You know, and it's having, not having that faith must be killer to your psyche of, you, can I make this throw? No, nah, maybe I shouldn't go for it because I turn the ball over, then I 100% know my defense doesn't have me. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess branching off of that, for me, I guess I got another favorite one. We didn't pooch punt once. And for me, that that spells so much confidence, once again, to our special teams. I Arguably, I think you agree with, I think you could agree with me. John Ross and Pettis are probably a lot better playmakers in terms of, like, punts and kickoffs than, uh, was it that Oregon game? It was the Oregon game, right? I think when we were, when we were pooch punting it. And I felt like if we're not, if we're not doing that here, that means we have confidence in our special teams to, to hold them to short fields or I'm to, to in their own half, which we did. But then how does that help our defense? Like it, like it, he might as well have gone for it every fourth down because at, 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 there came a point where it was just meaningless to be that good on special teams. And they just marched down the field within 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, yeah, because yeah. we, we, I mean, as you said, we, we had, we pinned him back a lot. A lot. Clump was amazing. Like he was, his punts were sound. There was one of those punts where we got him stranded on like the one yard line, you know? And what, do, what does our defense do? We give up a touchdown. Like, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I'm getting more frustrated now than I actually was. Like I was very, I was like in a, at a point of like just catharsis at, at some point, but now I'm like a, I was in a yeah. very zen state, and now I'm, like, kind of amped up again. <laughs> ruffled your feathers. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'll say is, like, my nightmare moment yes, please. is not so much a moment. And I think that's <laughs> because of the fact that, you know, I was sort of not expecting. I actually didn't expect us. that we'd be pretty competitive. The first half was indicative of where I thought the game would go. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I thought it would be within a, a two-possession or three-possession game. I didn't think yeah. it would end up like this. And I, so I think the nightmare moment for me was seeing – Oh, well, it could be too. I mean, I, th- I think it was seeing that level of defense out there again and the, the second half adjustments. I think that you can look at the game decisions. We, we played a pretty conservative first half. You know, we get like Vic Wharton runs, take, picks up that rugby kick, takes it all the way down to the 20. We immediately go three and out and kick a field goal. And it's like, man, could you, really could have used seven right there, um, whether it would have taken four downs or not. Like, what? why are we not going for that so that's that's one uh, I'll just stick with that I mean outside of that I just think that we made some pretty poor adjustments in the second half it was especially on the defensive side of the ball we keep harping on it so I th- with the risk of being too repetitive like we can move on to something else but I, I really felt underwhelmed by what I saw out there after having a half to think about it in Washington credit to them man they came out and adjusted extremely well to what we were doing offensively. They shut us out in the third quarter. When was the last time you didn't see Cal score points in a quarter? 
Yeah, when's the last? I mean, uh, I think Avi put out that statistic about last season. We were the we were the most dangerous third quarter team in the country. Like that's where all our points came from all season long. And I remember, we were afraid all of last season because we wouldn't score in the first half and we'd be down, and then all of a sudden we just score in bunches in the third and maybe mount a furious comeback, and then we'd fall short like we did against Utah, or um, we might pull it back like we did against ASU. And so there was that bit. But this this team has like has fizzled coming out of the halftime, like just flat on their face. And we've lucked out like the Texas game or the Oregon game, like we lucked out. But at the same, but this this game showed you like why you cannot cannot come out of the half flat. Easy, without a doubt. <sighs> All right, should we move on? Let's move on. All right, uh, to your Pac-12 game of the week from this current week. So week ten. What was yours, Andy? The one that we just went yes, through. Yes. Mine was the uh, SC. Oregon game. And that was a hell of a game yeah. if you're a USC fan. Yeah. It was a great game. Um, if you're an Oregon fan, I don't know how, how I'd feel. I, I don't know how I'd was, feel. So there, I was waiting for it. I was waiting to see if Oregon was going to be the same Oregon that we saw against Cal. Because SC came out and built a pretty sizable lead early. And then all of a sudden, it kind of like shifted back and Oregon had some momentum. But then it seemed like they kept shooting themselves in the foot. And that would drive me crazy if I was a Ducks fan. Yeah. I mean, first drive, it's like they're about to get a first down, mm, false start, mm, holding penalty. So I was like, I would go absolutely nuts. I'm already going nuts with the amount of penalties that we have in third down situations that extend drives. Yep. But for Oregon, it seems like they can't even start a football game without like first possession and you're going to give me like false starts and holds. Like, yeah. First, well, welcome to our world. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, yeah, I feel. A little bit bad for Oregon. <laughs> so then SC, that whole game ended up just being exactly what I expected the Oregon Cal game to be. You know, SC comes out, builds a pretty big lead, and then just, you know, kind of the faith in Oregon wanes and they had, they, had, they look good. They look good. SC looks good. They might end up, uh, I mean, it's going to be a hell of a game to watch that one next week. Yeah. Uh, my game of the week this week was uh, the Thursday night game. I think it was Thursday night. Yeah, it was Thursday night. UCLA Colorado. You Colorado wins twenty to twenty to ten, I believe. And Colorado was ranked fifteenth at the time. I think they did rise in the rankings a little bit. But you know, looking after I watched that game, UCLA looks real winnable right now, especially with news that Josh Rosen is out for the season. This game looks really winnable right now, and. And we end with them. So didn't they lose on it? They lo- they lost on a kick return, right? Punt return. Punt return. Yep. That's what that's what made the score twenty. So it was thirteen ten. You said it's got nothing on offense. Mm-mm. Zero zip. But we got nothing on defense. Should be a fun one. <laughs> yeah, it'll be evenly matched. It'll be like two kids playing with wooden sword and swords and shields, pretty much. Right, just about. Sure. One like at some got, point, one kid's got a wooden sword. Yeah. The other kid's got a metal shield. Yeah. At some point, they're gonna throw it down, <laughs> and they're just gonna start fist fighting. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not gonna work. Exactly. They they realize that they're not in clean pain on each other. So, you know. All right, let's move on to our next game. Cal Washington State is this Saturday. I don't think they've announced the time. No, seven thirty. Oh, oh wow! Another night game. Woohoo! 
<laughs> they announced it last week. I'm oh, they did. patiently waiting for them to announce the Stanford game, and I please don't put it. At. One o'clock. What it's announced? I hope so. Oh, Rob, you can't do me like that. Man. I, I, <laughs> we, I, I, we talk about this for a split second. I, I legit think that the Stanford Cal game, the big game, might actually be a one p.m. kickoff because it won't be televised. Well, it'll be pe- it'll be televised. If it's, if it's televised, it'll be televised on Pac-12, Pac-12 network. But I just don't think any network, any big network, is going to take us on like they've had in the past. Like two years ago, uh, they it was on uh, Fox, I believe. Mm-hmm. Last season, I believe it was on ESPN. Don't know. Maybe I don't know, but it was on a big network. It wasn't on Pac-12. That was because Stanford was exactly going to exactly Pac-12 my point. Game. Yeah. Ah, at this point, this it's, is getting me excited. At this point, both teams are playing for nothing really. Um, Stanford's basically going to be playing for like a better bowl game. We might be playing for a bowl game, so that might be the enticing aspect. But no one's going to want to watch that on national TV. Like no, like big name guys. Like McCaffrey has like fallen off the face of the planet in terms of like people talking about him and his exposure. So yeah, and I, I I'm really guessing it might be one PM game. Okay, please, please, I'll hold you to that. Please, I want breakfast at our tailgate. Dude, we, they, I just want to go to bed before I, 4 a.m. We can be <laughs> home before 7. Think oh. about that. Think about that. We can be home before 7. And we will That's be, exciting stuff. Yeah. All right. But Washington State is at 7.30. Yes. Late um, night game again. Do you know? Do you happen to know what channel is being... ESPN, I believe. Oh, wow. We're prime time again? Yeah. Great. Could be wrong, but I feel good about it. Okay. Uh, while Andy looks that up, let me go over the over and under in the spread. So the spread, it fluctuates between about uh, 16 to 14. Um, it started at 16, but some of the Vegas books that I was looking at fluctuated down to 14 and then back up to 15. So I'm just going to say it's 15. So Washington State is favored by 15. And, oh, guess what the over and under is? Andy already guessed it right earlier when we were That's, discussing. It was a pure guess. It was a, it was, it was a pure guess, and he hit it. Bullseye. Bing, bing, bing. Time to go to Vegas. Time to go to Vegas. 110. ESPN. Oh, yay. So more prime time for us. And showing off our terrible... Well, I guess in the sense that if you're... A, like, you don't have any allegiances for this game, and you're living on the West Coast, and you want to watch a fun football game, if you just want to watch pure offense, this might be the game to watch. Well, here's the thing. If I'm a Cal fan, this is why I watch this game. I watch this game to see what an offensive coach can do on the defensive side of the ball. Like they Mike are ranked. Mike Leach has put together a good defense. Yeah. And they used to have a terrible defense. So and they have a high octane offense. And the same the same knock against Sonny was held against Leach. So we can literally sit there and observe and say, Okay, looks like you're doing this. <laughs> I would like some of that. <laughs> And then we can go out and find someone who can implement uh, Waiter, can I have that, please? Yeah. I don't know what they're having at that table, but I would like some of that. Yes. I would like uh, to exchange half of my meal <laughs> and for the rest of that. But yeah, back to the, the over. So it, <laughs> Under 10. That's the most ridiculous thing I've heard. And I would take it. I'd go for the over. <laughs> You'd go for the over? It's Washington State Cal. All right, so one ten. Let's see. Uh, so that'd yeah. be. Oh. Let's see, five. It'd be fifty, fifty-five. Like something like sixty to fifty. It'd be seventy to seventy to forty. Seventy to. Wait. Well, yeah. If you want to go seventy forty, yeah, sixty fifty. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're saying. 
You're saying it's going to go higher than 60-50 is what you're saying. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. The uh, game, the, the last Washington hot. State game that we had in Pullman where Trevor Davis ran two back for touchdowns, that was 60-59. to 59. Well, there you go. Yeah, but always choose the over. When you're choosing Cal, you always choose the over for this season. Have we ever not hit it? I think twice. Did we hit the over for this game? Definitely. Yep. We haven't hit it twice this year. I think it was the over under for the Utah game. Mm. I think I don't think we hit the over, Mm. and I believe I don't think we hit the over for the the Arizona State game. I believe that's what that's what it was. I believe those are the two. Hmm. So, yeah. All right. Who's your X factor for this game? For us? For us. Um, it's definitely the running backs. So, talk about, you know, why Washington was able to game plan so effectively against us. We had absolutely nothing happening on the ground. So, for me, it's all about Calfani and Trey. Can you Can they get five, six yards of carry, get to that point where – Look, we win games at seven, eight yards a carry when those guys can have those averages, those 10 carries, you know, 100, you know, 90 type yards. That's when we're more balanced, we're more effective passing the ball, there's more room to throw under, and we have the opportunity to go over without the defense being able to sit back on those types of routes. So for me, it's all about the offensive line, which is continually the strength of this football team, is our offensive line and the way they protect Webb, but also the way that we run the ball behind them. So if we can do that, then I think we have a good chance of being effective on the offensive side of the ball. What about you? Um, for me, our X factor is Allensworth. Easy. We have him back. We can lock down Gabe Marks. We don't have him back. We don't lock. In, we can't lock down Gabe Marks, and he goes off just like John Ross did. That's just <laughs> he's going off regardless. <laughs> That's my hot take. Let me let me just give you some of the the just the the stats of the team. Okay, scoring offense. Washington State is second in the Pac-12 with forty-three game. We're right behind them at thirty-nine point seven. Scoring defense. Washington is sixth, literally middle of the pack, at 24.7. We're at the bottom at forty-four point four. We're worse than Oregon now. We're worse than Oregon now in terms of scoring defense by two points, two whole points. Meaning like by points allowed per game. Yeah, points allowed per game. Okay, total offense, Cal, this is just yards, right? Is 517 a game. Washington State is at 502. So we're 1-2 and in terms of that. Total defense in terms of yards that they give up. Washington State at 7 at seven or 373 a game. And we're at 11 with 527 a game. All right. So, and in terms of the rush, de- rush defense and offense, like it's not that big of a gap, but here's the key stat. On offense, Cal's ninth and Washington's is 11th in terms of rushing offense, but rush defense, Washington State is third in the Pac-12 and we're dead last. Wow. Washington State only allows 118 yards a game throughout the season through nine games. Cal averages, gives up 286 yards a game. Mm, I wouldn't be surprised if then, I mean, I hope that we don't give up on the run, but it wouldn't be surprising if we just bailed on the run if it wasn't effective and yeah. just had just started did, did the San Diego State type approach. So here's the thing about their pass defense. Cal's pass defense is rated at number eight at 241.2 uh, yards per game. Washington State is actually number nine, 254 yards per game. 
They've given up 13 touchdowns compared to us, who've given up 22. So, <laughs> yeah. That's about it um, in terms of those statistics that I wanted to share out here. And, oh, here's the big... For me, I, I was looking through these stats, and this is the biggest one for me. Washington State's third down conversions, they convert at a percentage of 48.9. 48.9. That's number one in the Pac-12 in third down conversions. Whereas Cal, were seven, 39.1. I think that's how the... Mike Lee's offense is supposed to work if it's working effectively. They're converting third downs. Yeah, is they, it brings. That's why they, you, the short passes get you two, three yards right. on first and second, and you're third and three or third and four. Right, and then you get another one to get that. So you have, yeah. you play a clean game from an officiating standpoint. You have manageable down and distances at all. Like first, I mean not first down, but you know second, third. Yeah, it's all manageable. Positive yards gained on each one. Yeah, these stats are actually pretty fun to look at. Um, and, you know, we'll look at it later. But I'm looking at some of the individual statistics. And the only one that catches my eye is that receptions per game. Chad Hansen is now at 9.1. That's still number one in the Pac-12. But Gabe Marks is at 6.8, and he's right behind Chad Hansen at number two. Gabe Marks is also number three in the Pac-12 and receive yards per game at 69.1. Chad Hansen is still number one at 120 yards per game. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's the only, only big thing I have. And so here's the thing. Washington State, Gabe Marks has 10 touchdowns on the season, all pass receptions. That scares me if we don't have Allensworth. That legit scares me if we don't have Allensworth. Like, John Ross is right there, too. Uh, I believe John Ross... John Ross is now number one in the Pac-12 in scoring touchdowns with 13. So, if he does that, if Gabe Marks just is up to par, that's legit scary. Legit scary. So, is he then... Is X is that your X factor, then? Is yeah. Gabe Marks... That was my X Factor, right? For Washington State? Yeah. It's Gabe Marks versus Allensworth. Because Luke Falk missed three passes last week. Yeah. If I remember. Yeah. That's I right, think you're right? right. 31 of 34. I think you're right. Let me just take a look. <laughs> but I believe you're right. If our pass defense um, against I like, I, Washington. I would like up. to see the distribution of that pass, the passes, though. Like, how many, how many long balls shots do you take versus. How many of those came through screen passes and like short, you know, thinking dunk passes? Um, but let me take a look. So they beat Arizona last week, sixty-nine to seven. And Luke Falk, yep, only missed three passes. Uh, Thirty-two of thirty-five, three hundred eleven yards and four touchdowns. It's one of the most impressive. Depending on the passes, it's one of those just from I don't pure know. statistical line. One of the most impressive. I don't know stats. what I think. I think his backup was more statistically impressive. His backup came in and played. Fifteen of seventeen, one hundred sixty-three yards and two touchdowns. Wow! So he actually averaged per completion more than Falk did. <laughs> what are backups, man? <laughs> what are backups? Who's a backup quarterback? What does that mean? 
I don't. I've never heard that term before. All right. So, what's your Pac-12 game of the week to watch Are this we, week? We need our predictions. Oh yeah. What is your prediction for the Washington State game? Um, fifty-five forty Washington State. Sounds about right. I'm gonna go fifty-five forty-five Washington State. I think we'll put up points. Uh, yeah, I think I don't think the putting up points is gonna be the issue. Is is our defense gonna get enough stops? Like I'm not even asking them to pull a shutout. I'm just saying, will we get enough stops and give our offense a, a couple more opportunities to score? I just don't think that happens. I think, I think it happens for Washington State. The one like silver lining of all this is it's been a nice break of caring. You think, know, yeah. Oh, like USC, Washington. Like, yeah, okay. But we're like, not really. You know? <laughs> and so Washington State's one of those games, too. It's like, man, I don't know. Like, maybe because we kind of have ownership over them. But uh, in the last couple of years. But realistically, are we going to win? Probably not. So that puts the emphasis on win at Stanford. Like, win against Stanford at home. And then win against and UCLA at home. Win against UCLA at home. And those are the two where I'm like, must win, must win, regardless if we lose this game. Because, you know, outside of a bad injury, knocking I, on wood right now. I think it's a, for me, it's a must win and then a should win. Or, I mean. I yeah. like that as must yeah. win, must win. You must win, must, must win. Because you want the bowl game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly. And I'm just thinking the of just the, the, just the team that we're playing. I think it's more likely, or Stanford we need to beat just because their offense is horrendous right now. UCLA is bad. UCLA is bad, but their defense, they still have talent is what I'm saying. But that that matchup favors us. That's this is true in the You're biggest right. way. Like UCLA to me is like a bad football. Like we should beat that team, and then Stanford is very winnable to me. <laughs> very winnable. Yeah. It's a winnable game. It is. It is a winnable Cal game. Cal is as we as I said in the booth. Cal is the most average football team <laughs> I've ever dealt with. They beat the teams they should beat. And they lose except outside Utah, right? Yeah. But we were favored against Utah, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, they beat the teams they should beat, and they lose to the teams they should lose to. And there really isn't too much surprise. Nope. They tend to just sort of go the way that Vegas says, which is why we're like, oh, Vegas Vegas are genius. Well, actually, are they that genius or is Cal just super average? <laughs> Maybe we're just the most average team of all time. Yeah. Maybe we used up all our good luck and all our positives beating Oregon, Texas, and Utah at home. At least we got that streak over. Yeah. It's what yeah, yeah. All right, so we're going with like 55 45 55 40 or 55 45 40 55 45. Yeah. This is around there. Yeah, that's pretty much the same give or take. All right, let's move on uh, to our pack 12 games of the week for this week. What is your game for this week? The most obvious choice of the week is Washington versus USC. Can't wait. I'll be watching that one. I will. I definitely will be watching that one just because I think this is this might be the first one where athletically they all match up well. Like it might not. I'm not saying that SC is a good team or not, but you can't take away the athleticism and talent level that they have, regardless of how bad or good the coaching is. Yeah, they're four, four straight wins, right? Yeah, SC's SC's good. Helton's pulling it around. Mm-hmm. He's not getting fired at this rate, in my opinion. No chance. No, no chance. All right. Uh, for me, he it was. Does. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was Utah issue, um, just because I, I actually want to watch this game just because they do have two studs at running back. I'm a big sucker for watching like running backs play, um, just because for me, I fell in love with football because I started watching Ladainian Tomlinson, which is why I'm a Chargers fan as well. 
And I just like games where it's just running backs just making the cuts and everything, getting like the 30-yard bursts, and then, you know, maybe going for 40 for like touchdowns and stuff. So, yeah, this is a this is a game of running backs. I mean, Utah has Joe Williams who came out of retirement and is like averaging like 270 yards a game right now basically. And uh, ASU has Caleb Ballage who's arguably one of the best running backs in the Pac-12. Um, so... This is purely going to be a run game off There's both sides. It'll be fun to see. On to some basketball. Thank God basketball season is here. Oh, my goodness. Like something where something where when we go to Haas or we watch a Cal basketball game now, we can actually go, oh, yeah. Yeah, we should win this game. Yeah, expectations. Like the expectation is, is going to be going, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, we should win. Like, or, oh, yeah, this should be competitive. Like, it's not like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to lose this one. Like, no longer. No longer. That's a football thing. <laughs> yeah, that's just a football thing. So, <laughs> let's get recruiting out of the recruiting news out of the way first. First, recruiting news, Troy Brown, uh, the number one, arguably the number one small forward in this class, is, is committing tomorrow, I believe, which is Monday. So, when you're listening to this, it'll be Monday. Did you uh, hear it? Have you heard anything, or what's the latest? Uh, it looks like... It, like, judging from, like, what I'm reading from what people are saying, it's come down to, like, maybe a handful of teams. Uh, he's played it pretty close to the chest, so it's pretty hard to tell who. We're, I think we're still in the running. Um, Oregon is in the running. And Kansas, I believe. And uh, us, Oregon, Kansas, UNLV, just because he is from Las Vegas, and Georgetown. I think those are the five front runners. So it could be any. We won't know until tomorrow. I think I think he tweeted out saying it's like twelve thirty. So oh, at noon. Something to look forward to. Yeah. At the same time, uh, it's gonna suck if he doesn't commit to us. So. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Positive right. attitude. Positive attitude. All right. Let's move on uh, to actual about our team. So, a couple things uh, before I go into some specifics about the Cal Baptist game exhibition game that we played just this past week. Uh, Ivan Rabb is a preseason All-American. He was the number two vote-getter behind Duke's Grayson Allen. He is arguably uh, top four in terms of National Player of the Year award, like preseason rankings. Arguably top four. Could be argued he's number one. And he is hands down, hands down the best big man in college. The best power forward center in college is at Cal. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. It's it's crazy to think that we do, but we do. It's it's incredibly crazy. So yeah, there's the preseason stuff out of the way. Uh but on to the basketball. Uh Cal so Cal played uh Cal played Cal Baptist. Weird wording. Um and Cal beats Cal Baptist eighty one to seventy three. So it was a closer game than most people expected. But no Ivan Rap. Ivan Rab hurt his ankle, I believe, or like a foot thing uh, two weeks ago. And he was in a walking boot, like a protective boot, all week long. And it's just an exhibition game before the actual season begins this Friday. So it was just more of a precautionary, we don't need, you don't need to risk it. You know what he's going to give you. You know he's the focal point. Why risk, you know, aggravating it or re-injuring it or making it into a long-term injury? So he did not play uh, but we did get to see some some guys that came in this year to f- fill some shoes of some guys that have left 
and they played admirably well. Uh, Grant Mullins, the transfer from Columbia, who's the grad transfer, will only be here one year, but 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. Uh, he had 7 rebounds, 16 points, 2 assists. Like, he did every and, and a steal, too. He did everything. He did everything you asked him to do. Uh, and then, the, of course, the big news going into this season was how Steven Domingo apparently has refound his shooting touch and was... Out, they, he was on the Pac-12 All-Star team, I believe, that went to Shanghai or Australia. I can't remember. I think it was Shanghai. But there were people were raving about how good he was on that trip. Like, his shooting touch was outstanding. And you saw that on full display when they played Kyle Baptist. He started off the game 4 of 4. Did not miss a single shot. Made 2 of 2 from 3. And was just lights out in terms of shooting. His confidence was sky high. You... You gave it to him, and if the defender was maybe three or four feet out, he was just jumping straight up and taking that shot. There was no hesitation. So much different from last season where he was like, oh, crap, should I pass it? Should I dribble? Should I, should I shoot? Nah, nah. And then, you know, it would, it would just miss the shot. Um, and also, Charlie Moore, who is the four-star point guard from Chicago, the number one point guard from the state of Illinois, uh, he went one for seven from the field uh, and one of two from the three from three point. But he did, or I'm sorry, one of five from from the field, one of two from three. But he did score six out of his seven free throws. So he ended up with nine points, uh, one rebound, one assist, and two turnovers. But the thing I liked about him is he's confident. He's he has great command of the offense. Like he knows where he wants guys to be in order to make the plays. And his court vision, when he runs a pick and roll with one of our bigs, and then he does the little wrap around passes, like I think he could have easily racked up four or five assists this game, except the guys just didn't finish, or like he would get it to Cam, and Cam would go up, and he'd just get fouled on the shot, so it wouldn't count as an assist and if the basket didn't go in. So there were a couple of those, and I I saw that and went, I thought his height might be a, might be an issue, because he's like 5'9 or 5'10, or 5'9, um, and his shot is one of those where he shoots in front of his face. He doesn't shoot off the shoulder. So if your stature's a little bit on the shorter end, your your tendency is you you might get blocked a lot more if the ball's in front of you versus uh, on top of you. But that's not the case. His his release quick fire. Um, he gets he knows when he wants to shoot. Like he makes that decision of what he wants to do before he gets set. So it's like he doesn't waste any time in initiating what he wants to do, which is great to see. As an 18-year-old kid, already being like that type of floor general. Um, and for me, the biggest part about Charlie's game was as soon as a foul happens, right, and he's on the court and he's the point, if he's on the court as the point guard. Because there were times where he ran side-by-side side with Sam Singer, so Sam would be the point guard. But when he was on the court as the point guard, as soon as a foul happens, he corrals the team. Like, he gathers everyone and huddles them up, and, is, and you could see him. He's, like, talking to them. He's like, you got to be here. Like, we got to move around this way. we got to make this play. Like, you know. And that's, that's crazy to see from an 18-year-old kid. Yeah, as a freshman. That's... As, yeah, as a true freshman, 18-year-old kid, that's, yeah. The confidence, the self-confidence that he has to be able to just tell the team what to do. And the fact that everyone listens. I, I truly believe, like, throughout – you know, the, the summer, like, and them playing pickup and all that. I think they fully understand, like, this kid's good. Like, this kid could be really good. 
Uh, when he's on when he's on the floor as the point guard, like he's not the emotional leader. He's literally just like the tactical leader on the floor. Emotional is going to be the seniors, right? They're going to keep everyone in check. But he's the one that orchestrates the offense and sets them all up. So they're like just all ears, all hands on deck. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was really good to see. The team looks great. I, yeah, it, they look amazing. Game this Thursday? Friday. Friday. This Friday um, is the first game of the season against, I guess, I believe South Dakota. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. There's my little basketball spiel. But if you, yeah, make it out to Haas. I, I, I don't, I can't say it any other way. Like, this, this team is going to be amazingly fun to watch. And guys like Ivan don't come along too often. They don't come along too often in just sports in general. They definitely do not come along this often to our school. Definitely not. The kid is outstanding. Like, he's, he's one, he's an amazing person. Great guy. Great kid. Really great kid. Really well-spoken. But the talent level is just off the charts. Um, and, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, he was like a top five, you know, recruit, right, or like top ten. His freshman, sophomore, and junior year in high school, he was the number one overall prospect. People forget that. And his junior year, he got injured. He, in, he uh, I think he, rolled, he just had a high ankle sprain. So he was out the majority of his high school season, which is why his, his stock dropped going into senior year, and he dropped like six. In terms of the rankings. But that tells you how good he is. As a freshman and sophomore in high school, he was rated the number one prospect recruit. And he's at our school. So yeah, highly recommend that you come to watch uh, the basketball team. Like, we went undefeated at home last year. I, I, can't, I can't understate how hard that is in basketball. Where it's like a four, 14... 15, 15 game home homestand, and you won every single one. Incredible, incredible, incredible. <laughs> like, I think for you, I think the big thing, the big selling point, I would tell someone like you, Andy, is you've always want you. You're talking about the defensive coach, defensive coach, right? Conzo is a defensive coach. He's always his his mentality whenever he talks, and he's he's talked about he says it all the time in any of his press conferences. He says. Like the only thing we can control realistically in a basketball game is the intensity we bring on defense. Like he said that last year, especially with like Ty and Jalen, he's like, like Ty's not going to get 15 shots every game. Jalen's not going to get 10 shots every game. It, that's going to change depending on how the game goes. If he gets, if he commits too many fouls, then he's only going to get like three or four shots, right? You can't, you can't say like, oh, we're going to give Ty 15 shots on offense for sure. Like, offense is just something that's going to go with the flow and how the scheme of how the game is going, right? But on defense, you can. You can control how compact you are. You can control the mental lapses you might have. You can control how much of your effort you're going to give on the defensive side to make it harder for them to score. Granted, sometimes, of course, they're going to score. It's basketball. They're not going to go... You're not going to shut them out zero points. But you could hold them to... A very, very low percentage, which is what we did. We were number one in the country in two-point percentage. So anything inside the three-point arc, I think our percentage was like 30-something percent. 
We're number one at that. I think the biggest thing for me when I watched games last year is, you know, the offense is, was pretty bland. Yeah, it was. Especially late. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because of the tie injury or what it was, but I, I think that um, I hope that we, you know, we brought in that new coach. Tim O'Toole. Yeah, yep. so I hope that he can provide some sort of a little bit more complexity going on. on and we can have, you know, we didn't even get Ivan the chances last year that I think he deserved. Yeah, I mean, most people. So I think it comes in two in two forms, right? One is yes, I think the coaching on offense was a little bit bland, but two, you also had two of the biggest usage players in Cal history on the same team. So basically, when the ball was in Ty's hands or when it was in Jalen's hands, like it pretty much never left. Like they were attacking or like taking the shot most of the time, and a lot of us didn't have any issues with that because they were our two best players. But now that the team is based around Ivan, the ball moves so much faster. And I noticed that, especially this past game, because Ivan wasn't playing, which means, like, our initial offense didn't, like, you know, give him the ball in the post, let him drop double team, then kick back out. Like, it wasn't one of those. It was, the ball was constantly moving. It kind of felt like how we're watching the Lakers or the Warriors right now. It, and I, I hate it. I hate saying that because, like, they're, like, you know, top tier. The Warriors are right in terms of how they run their offense. But... The motions are there. Guys are constantly running. They're constantly making the basket cuts. They're constantly setting screens for one another off the ball. And the ball is constantly just... Everyone knows their role of what to do when they're on the floor for offense. And everyone also knows that they can't take too long to make a decision. So when they get the ball, it kind of already feels like they are... As they're receiving the pass, they kind of already realize, okay, that guy's going to be open. If he's not, I'm just going to have to drive and make something happen. And... That, if that's how the offense goes, then the ball's going to be moving quicker. Decisions are going to be made quicker, and you're not going to have a stagnant ball movement. And, like, you know, having to retreat the ball back out with, like, 10 seconds left to play, and someone, like, has to do a one-on-one ISO dribble and, you know, gets bailed out on a foul call on a jump shot. Like, it, I don't think that's going to happen as much as we saw it last year. Like, we saw that so many times last year with Ty or Jalen at the ball. And it would just be like backing down or like dribble, 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 drive. And then hopefully we get a foul call on the layup and we go to the line. And yeah. so I don't think that's there anymore. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my spiel on, on uh, Cal basketball. So there you have it. Uh, we have like two questions, but I guess we can go over this very, very briefly. Uh, so we had a couple questions about... Just the defensive side. If Kaufman is gone, how would you redistribute the defensive side? And who would you hire? So I guess we kind of already touched upon the higher aspect of it. Yeah, kind of. Well, some better yeah. names like next week. Yeah. But in terms of the defensive side, like how would you redistribute? Because Kaufman is your DC who also is the linebackers coach. Yeah. You have Burns who coaches the DBs. Or or the, DBs. the cornerbacks. And then you have Lovett who coaches the safeties. And then you have... Uh, Tate, who coaches D-line. The D-line. So, uh, Tate bounced. Um, I w- yeah, so I get rid of Tate because I, 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 don't, I don't have as much of a, th- a thing against Tate as I do against Kaufman because I think that Tate is someone that at least seems to get talented players that show up. Like, mm-hmm. we have Evan, Evan Weir, Cameron, Cameron Saffel, you know, James Looney, Devontae Wilson. There's at least something. Yeah. But the linebackers, there's nothing at linebackers. So I think I'd like to see an actual position, positional coach 
um, rather than relying on your defensive coordinator, actually coach that position and then coach it poorly. So I'd like to have a D coordinator and then an actual linebackers coach who can also share some responsibility. And the D coordinator can go out and recruit for a particular position group or for just the The defense as a whole. And then you actually have someone that you can hold accountable for recruiting for that position. I like to have accountability at all different places in your org Checks and balances. Yeah. So that's what I'd like to see, and and that's how I'd like to redistribute it. I I totally agree. I don't think there's any other way to do it. You you just got to reshuffle the the groups. Uh, And then uh, Kaufman or injuries, where does the fault lie for the horrible Chaldee? I guess this is something that we can easily talk about just for like a second. Where's the fault lie? Yeah. So how fine is that line between – Art Kaufman as our defensive coordinator not being good enough in coach in coaching, or the fact that we've lost so many guys due to injury. It, it, to me, it's one and the same. Okay. So if you're, uh, Bill Walsh always talks about having contingency plans. Yeah. And if you're not prepared, then you're gonna end up getting burned because of it. You look at what I said that I made this comment last night while I was watching this game, and every single player on the Washington defense could have gotten hurt that game. Yeah. And they still across the board would have more experience than our entire defense. So they have a second line that is better than our first line. So if you don't have that second line, and I realize in the, the secondary part, that's the one that I'm willing to give a pass on. Just Seven out of the top eight guys. Yeah, we had the, the second and third. We had the depth there. I love that unit preseason. Um, but the linebackers and the D-line is where we, we absolutely didn't address it this last recruiting class. And we haven't addressed it again this recruiting class. Like, what are we possibly doing? And, you know, I, we've talked about the lack of um, sort of the lack of, uh, or like, it's not insight, but foresight to notice that maybe, you know, like Hardy would leave. You know, maybe that we're going to start to see like Barton, Barton leave. leave. And, uh, so anyways, I think, I think it's one and the same. I hold... Kaufman accountable based on the fact that we haven't ha- we don't have depth lined up and you should always have depth lined up because injuries are a part of the game. Yeah, I think the biggest qualm that a lot of people have is that this is year four of Sunny, and we don't have depth. Like offensively we do, but we don't have depth on any at any position on the defense side of the ball. Secondary we do. Secondary we do. Okay, yeah. Okay, we'll give them the secondary. Uh, Wait, it's because he focused on it. Because yeah. in 2013, Sonny saw that defense and was like, yeah, we're getting burned because our guys are too small. Yeah. So we went out and got the Rambos. We got the Malik Psalms. We got the 6'3 safety. We got the 6'3 corners. We yeah. got the big boy with Antoine Alberts, right? Yeah. We went and recruited these guys. And we put an effort on it. We got Greg Burns, who's like, you know, Pete Carroll mentions is a great recruiter. So we bring in these guys that can recruit at that position. It didn't happen at two other core piece, like, yeah. pieces there. And it's just... Why it why why we focus that one? So we do have we have an example of how it can work, but we didn't do it universally across the board, and we are certainly paying for it. Yeah. Uh, last question is uh, no time for backup QB. Who will start next year at quarterback? Yeah, you take this one. No time for backup quarterback. I, this is a weird one. Um, you guys can take a look at the post game conference from last from last night, which is on the Cal Bears website. And Ryan Gorsi of Scout did actually ask about. Why they didn't put um, Ross Bowers in or any of the backup QBs in? Um, I will let you be the judge of how sufficient that answer you think it it was. 
I will tell you, wasn't sufficient at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But for me, yeah, I don't know what the deal was. I really don't. You put McCarry in at at running back, who is your fourth running back at best, and you switched out all your wide receivers because you put in Jordan Duncan and you put in Patrick Worstel at that point. So you've subbed in like either your your like borderline second to third stringers at every position. Maybe not O line. I didn't get to check who was running on the O line, but you do all that. But you still have your starting quarterback in there. I don't understand. I mean, there comes a point where even if the if even if your quarterback says I want to stay in the game regardless of how the game ends, there's a point where you look towards the future and say, what if he gets sacked and and blows his shoulder, you know, in one of those? Like if you're that scared of putting your backup to like play the last couple minutes where you're relying on your starter, that then that's even more of a reason to put in your backup if your starter were to go down in those last waning minutes. It makes no sense. It doesn't. Me. I don't I I cannot comprehend. That game was out of hand in the third. Yeah. Washington brought in their backup before we brought in our backup. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense to me and even if you looked at it and said, "Okay, well, potentially Cal's trying to continue to replace through transfer. And you're like, okay, so using the Max Brown example again. So Cal tries to replace through transfer. Why wouldn't you want to have someone like Ross Bowers or Chase Forrest at least have game experience under their belt? Because if something happened you know, the next season to your starter, you had someone who had been in a game. So unless you have absolutely no faith in their ability to develop – what are you doing? You're probably pissing the he- pissing them off. If I was Ross, I'd be like, why am I not in the game? What am I here for? 30-30-30 club. Up 30, down 30, 30 seconds left to go. Why am I not in the football game? And then just to say, yeah, it was the last you know few minutes of the game or we wanted another possession. That's garbage. You had a quarter and a half to do it. The game was nowhere close to within reach. And we saw no... Like if sign there was, of it. Yeah, if there was a sign of life, right? Like, let's say we had pulled two touchdowns out of thin air in the third quarter, and we were pseudo back in it. Then maybe I'd even say that it's a stretch. Okay, maybe you tried to maybe pull it back in the fourth, but no, you you did not score in the third, and that score just kept going up and up and up and up, and you were what down like forty? Yeah, down. Yeah, into exactly. the fourth, like. That, you're not coming back from that. No football team, I don't think any football team has ever come back from a 40-point deficit in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope someone follows up on that because I did. I felt like his his answer on the field goal stuff, fine. Um, he felt like he just needed the point. They wanted the points on the board versus, yeah. like, to risk I think the, he, the momentum thing is what will get held against him, but the point stuff, it, it's still, it's not a great answer, but it was thought out. But his response to the uh, Bowers thing I thought was really short, and com- I wish we had an opportunity to follow up on it because I was like left there wanting to ask it again. So hopefully on Tuesday we can find out more. Because against SC too, same thing. I mean, this isn't just one game. This is, you know, we're talking about multiple games. Like he didn't even get to see the field against Hawaii. The big thing, thing big thing for me, and I think it's, this is where we're end it is Oregon is in that stage of the graduate student transfer quarterbacks, and they're one year ahead of us in terms of that, right? They're in year two of that because they had Vernon Adams last year, and they tried to do that with Prukop this year. That was a disaster what happened this year with Prukop. Like, it did not work out as well as it did with Vernon Adams. If that happens with us next year, 
Like, let's say we do go with Max Brown, all right? Just for the argument. I'm not saying he's coming, but just for the argument. Another one-year transfer, and he comes in and he plays, and and he becomes the starter next season. The The amount of backlash you're going to hear from the the quarterbacks behind and you're basically you're basically shooting both your feet in terms of recruiting quarterbacks what what in what world would a young high school quarterback want to come to a school where they're just going to take grad transfers three years running they would take a grad transfer or not two years running they would take a grad transfer right with only one year of eligibility left so you're playing that yeah, it's just roulette. Yeah. Or that carousel. <laughs> just exactly. One year quarterback, one year quarterback, one year quarterback. There's no consistency there whatsoever. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that this is going to happen. Like I hope they don't. I hope they don't go the grad transfer route and they go with one of the younger guys, right? Cuz you've seen what they did with Jared. And of course the talent level of Jared was there to begin with. But the consistency you saw and the growth you saw in three years with Jared, and then what? And then he became the number one overall pick, right? You saw that it's capable. Like, you saw that they're capable of doing that. They took a true freshman and made him into the number one overall quarterback. I'm not saying that any of these guys that we have right now or that will recruit in the future will become another number one quarterback taken, or number one overall quarterback taken in the, in the NFL draft. But even if they don't reach that level, like, my dad always used to say this, uh, you know, when we were, when I was going through school. He's like, reach, for, reach, aim for the stars, because at, at the very least, you'll end up in the clouds. I think that's the same mentality you have to take. You you got that star with Jared, and you you hope that maybe one of these guys maybe can reach that potential. But if not, they're at least a sound college quarterback. Just sound. And you have the consistency for two or three years with that guy that you picked. Modern mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> mysteries at Memorial Stadium. Someone <laughs> should film a series like that. I think I think they do pretty well. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up for us here um, at the Golden Blogs headquarters. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> All right. So you can find my stuff at Rob11HWAG on Twitter. You can find Andy at... Andy J. Beast Mode. Um, you can find our stuff on CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. You'll see my stuff up this week because I'll be at the basketball game um, doing the Insta recaps and things like that. So tweet at me if you want to talk basketball throughout the week uh, leading up to the first game of the season. And I'll be in the press box or the press. There's like two press rows. They moved us from center court to like some corner. So, yeah, if you want to come say hello, please do. I'm more than willing to meet new people and meet fans. <laughs> <laughs> Fellow Cal fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, we would love to hear feedback, feedback about our pod. Uh, if there's certain parts of the program you want us to fix or have some advice of what this might do better or this might be better, we would love to hear some feedback. I think Andy is really wanting to get some fan interaction, like listener interaction. So please do let us know like what we can fix to make your commute experience or your workout experience since you're probably that's what you're probably doing when you're listening to this uh better and we will definitely try to do that we'll make it happen we'll make it happen all right and as always go bears go bears